down the boards to Pedersen. He tipped it to the line, and JT Miller hooks it to center. He's got a breakaway. Miller, shorthanded, scores! Are back in front as he fires it top shelf to make it three to two. 801 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Brett Festerling is going to join us in just a moment here. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech. Uh, to the phone lines we go, the dispatch plumbing, heating, and air conditioning hotline. The first call, the only call, this call goes to Canucks color analyst Brett Festerling here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Brett. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're well. Spent a lot of time talking about yesterday's game. We played what looked like it might have been the game-winning goal yesterday, the 3-2 goal by JT Miller, shorthanded. But then, of course, the Canucks lost 4-3 in overtime to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, it certainly felt like the Canucks wasted a vintage JT Miller performance last night. He was terrific in that loss to the Penguins. Yeah, he's really elevated his game here in the last, call it, 10, 10 days or five games and, and yesterday was no different that goal was pretty amazing actually to get that uh whack it behind him get it up to him and then and score shorthanded after that goal was was pretty amazing um what did you think of the other centers last night because we kind of had this thing going like jt miller was great Pedersen was fine lindholm didn't really notice him yeah yeah probably like i that's the order i put it in like beluger you kind of notice he had a bad turnover, but I think the fourth line actually had a really good showing. That's kind of a positive mm-hmm. for that, but you're right. I think Lindholm didn't really notice him. It would be interesting to see if they continue that center kind of down, down the middle strengths when Dakota Joshua gets back. I'd like to see Lindholm with Dakota Joshua and Garland perhaps. Yeah. Me and, too. and you know, that puts Bluger down to the fourth, unfortunately, but maybe that adds, some of that magic that we've seen that third line have, and maybe that can get Lindholm to kind of his own line with his own energy and, and jumpstart him a bit that way. So, you, so sorry, you, you'd you like to see Lindholm with Joshua and Garland as opposed to Bluger back with Joshua and Garland or the other way around? I mean, I think he's kind of the unfortunate casualty. is probably Bluger down the middle. Mm. Is that unfair to him? Halford and I yeah, were, dis- yeah. were, were discussing that like because they had this great chemistry and it wasn't like Bluger was just a passenger on that. He actually was looking pretty creative offensively and I mean he was the center on that line. I, I, I'm really curious to see what uh, Rick Tockett does there because he has to find a spot for Elias Lindholm and so far we're kind of like, oh, we're still not sure where it is. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think I don't think it's necessarily fair to Bluger. He's he's that line's been, I think, you know, the most consistent line all year. And they deserve to stay together. But you're right, they just need to find a place for this guy and unfortunately they're I would think that's probably the easiest way to test it. If they like this center strength and they want to go with this puck possession kind of feature. And I do think it was probably more if you look at the last two games, more of a balanced attack in terms of consistently 
lines over the wall and then stacking. You know, a, a couple times last night you saw Lafferty, DJ Seven, Bluger get momentum, grind it out, and then whoever it was, Petey come over the top or Miller's line, and then they kind of build on that. I think you've seen more of that in the last two games in terms of that depth throughout the lineup. So mm-hmm. I think they'll give Lindholm a chance in, in between Garland and, and Dakota Joshua, but that's the weird predicament. That third line's been so good. It just it creates this weird gap in the lineup where, yeah, your fourth line or your second line, and, it, and it's a big jump. So it's hard to find spots for Lindholm's, Bluger's, Suter's when, when that third line's going. Or I guess Bluger beyond that, but you know what I'm saying. I do want to get back to JT Miller because watching him play last night and lined up against Sidney Crosby, who was also really good, that was that was a fun battle to watch. And JT Miller was on the same level as one of the greatest hockey players in NHL history. Um, is this most recent stretch, even though um, the Canucks have had a few wobbles along that stretch, is this the best hockey he's played for as a member of the Vancouver Canucks? I think so, and probably the best leadership in terms of his his emotion. We like we all know he's had you know a lot of public um, you know displays of emotion, we'll say, and when he harnesses it, he's he's a pretty powerful player in this league and a good leader, and I think he's shown that. Even I don't know if you guys caught the uh, post game for Miller, but he was mad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He was mad. They gave away a point. He he thought the second was terrible. He, he I don't want to say he called out the team, but he said we got two nothing in the first. We don't need five six goals. Saying kind of we need to not get away from our our staples and the things that we do to get us up two nothing. And we got to realize that's that's the game we got to play. So, I mean, it's definitely the best I've seen him play, and he's elevated his game coming down the stretch, which is great news for the Canucks. So I'm definitely a big fan when he plays like this. Um, what does it mean to you when you hear channel your emotions in a positive way? I, I like that a lot more than I like, I wish he would show some emotion. Right. 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 Like yeah. there is, there is, there's always going to be guys like that. Athletes at the highest level, and the guys that are best in the game are always very emotionally committed. How they channel it um, can affect their play. But, yeah, he, he, he's an emotional guy. I want that on my team. Obviously, it can boil over, but that's up to to the team and the coach to try to uh, rein him in. And mm-hmm. I think he showed a lot of maturity in terms of his emotions and, and what he does with it. But I, I love it. I yeah. want a guy like that going down the stretch into the playoffs you know, I like the heartbeat, even if it is going a little bit too much. No, I think he's done a terrific job of doing exactly that, channeling his emotions in a positive way. I think before maybe um, you loved seeing the passion, but you wondered, well, I wondered two things. I wondered how much his emotions got himself off his own game, like he was thinking yeah. in the past about things that had already happened in the game when there was nothing you could do about it, but maybe – it could also be a distraction to your teammate who has like, you know, the, those benches are pretty tight and then you got to sit next to a guy that's like freaking out on the bench and you're getting <laughs> distracted a, a little bit and you're used to it as a hockey player, right? Like you're used to seeing teammates go off. But I think, you know, after the Boston game, did you not find it quite interesting that Rick Tockett singled out JT Miller himself for being a leader 
keeping the team composed, not just like on board, but one of the leaders and saying, hey, guys, let's stay focused, and they were able to come back and win the game. Yeah, it's huge. It shows maturity. Like for him to for him to not only be the guy that's saying stay composed, we're we're winning this game, but also he's out there being a torpedo, leading the team with eight hits in the first two periods and hard hits. He does he puts everything into those hits, so he's not letting a single Boston player off the hook. Plus, he's driving the play offensively. Plus, he's the guy telling everybody to stick with it and calm down. So that's, I mean, for a guy like that to step up and and stack on top of a guy like Hughes plus talk its message right those are all big things that build coming down the stretch here and just pull everybody in line and get those 60 first kind of thing uh open-ended question here what are you seeing from Elias Pettersson right now I mean I thought he was great last night like I thought I thought he had a lot of opportunities last night him and Hoaglander play are showing some chemistry like there is still certain things that people get frustrated about in terms of maybe certain games he's not as dominant or um yeah i i i, I don't think he's playing bad mm-hmm. i still think they i think they went out to answer uh you know who can play with Pedersen and Lindholm hasn't fit so they're still kind of in just a bit with that it, it seems like, but I don't know. What do you guys think? I think he I thought, played I, I, relatively I, well. I thought he was good early on. Um, yeah. I don't think he was as good late in the game when the game was still hanging in the balance. Um, I like him and Hoaglander together. I think Hoaglander yeah. has been an, a, a really nice fit for him because um, he's got that motor, and he goes yeah, and exactly. he goes and he's able to get pucks uh, now. On that being said, on the tying goal, um, there were a few things that happened on that goal. There was, I think, Lars Eller broke his stick, and then he went back to the bench to get another stick, and then everyone kind of forgot about him, and he was able to come back into the zone and pick up the puck, and the Canucks were kind of standing around there. Um, so that in some ways, that was lucky, and I also think that uh, Noah Juleson, who like he is, he's like he he. He takes a lot, like he gives hits, he takes hits, he blocks a lot of shots, and he was kind of hurt on that play too. So there was a lot of weirdness there, but I was watching the shift of Pedersen and he just didn't seem to be in, involved in, in the play defensively. And I think that's maybe an area where his game has slipped a little bit, the two-way um, the two-way game that we always kind of lauded him for. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think last year he really elevated his defensive game. Like that's where we he took it to a new level that I don't know if we all knew he had that in terms of his smarts and back checking and kind of Datsuk like last year. Right, I think right. It's fallen off a bit this year. You're right. I mean, on that particular play, I think Mikhail is the guy that needs to get out of there. And then it's his guy that gets a shot through that hits Juleson, which would have uh, stung right. so bad. Oh, my God. He's getting that in front kind of. He had that a few top. times. He, he had that a few <laughs> times where he, he, he blocked a shot and he came back to the bench. And I'm like, oh, the trainer's going to talk to him. And the trainer was like, yeah, that happens. It's, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Like, he's the, he's the new Tanev in terms of pain and management. I mean, you've, you've blocked shots in the NHL. How do guys like are they just 
that tough that they just, they're like, well, that's part of the gig. And if I want to be in the NHL, that's what I got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. That's, that's what it is. If you know, you're one of those guys, you need to get in front of it. That's just what you get paid to do. Like we used to have, I mean, that's it's junior, but Don Hay used to put block shots and hits on the board after every single game. And you kind of knew that was just part of the fabric of the team, part of those staples that talk talks about. So, I mean, but that's kind of cemented him as a re- you see him as a regular player on the on the Canucks now. Like I don't think of him as an AHL call up right now, and that's what he's done to get over that hump. So I think you know, that being said, I don't want to block shots with my ribs. That would hurt. <laughs> that stings a lot. So I don't know. He, he's I think he's added a lot of value being able to do that stuff, and I think in a game. Now that does less of that in terms of the physicality and blocking shots, he, he's been a standout for that for the Canucks. And you see it yesterday, five on three, he's out there. He's he's on the first three guys out there, so they show a lot of commitment in him. We're speaking to Brett Festerling, Canucks radio analyst and former NHLer here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Brett, I'm going to go off course a little bit here, but prior to getting you on, we were talking a lot about the Winnipeg Jets. We actually had a guest on from the Winnipeg Free Press talking about uh, the current plight that the team finds itself in with diminished attendance, low season ticket holder numbers. So you spent the final year of your NHL career with the organization. It was actually the first year that they went back to Winnipeg. I know you only played a handful of game with the Jets and you spent most of your time in St. John's, but what do you remember about the energy, the excitement level, the thrill of having hockey being back in Winnipeg in that year that you spent with the organization moving from Atlanta to Winnipeg? It's hard for me to imagine it struggling like they're talking about. Okay. Cuz when we cuz when we came back, I played in the very first exhibition game back in that building and it it might as well have been a fourth round you know in the finals cup final right right like downtown was packed we were getting there's crowds for warm-ups obviously people are down in the class but it was completely full that whatever that holds 13,000 13,000 people in there chanting before we got out for warm-ups and every every game was sold out every game everybody was losing their mind. Energy was through the roof. I've, I don't know if I've ever actually experienced like a sustained crowd like that in terms. And then when I was up, I, I got hurt, but I was there for kind of two and a half months. And that was, that carried through into, you know, November, December, January, even when they had like the ten, you know, like Tanner glass was there and all those guys. And they just, there was so much energy and they bought into it and they had like a lot of workmen like guys. I, yeah, it was a really fun atmosphere, and it was always sold out, and it was a hard ticket to get. So the fact that they're struggling is surprising to me and and obviously points to probably a different issue, but it's unfortunate because those were really fun games to play. Do the players in the dressing room talk amongst themselves about crowds? Like, do they say, like, you know, that that – was incredible. Like I, I, I can't yeah. believe it's because sometimes I just wonder if NHLers, especially the veteran guys, just get used to it or not. A bit of both. Like you get used to it, but there's special crowds and there's special nights. Like the Boston night when when that OT goal went in, that was like those crowds. You feel that, and guys talk about that. You get that kind of hair on your neck stand up. That 
San Jose used to be like that when you, you know, there, there is really good crowds and you know the buildings that are really loud. You know ones that are quiet, like Saddle Dome's really quiet in the first. Toronto can be so quiet in a weekday during the first because mm-hmm. there's just nobody, right? It's all business seats. <laughs> so you <laughs> know that. The guys know that. And, and they'll prep like that. If you go into Montreal, especially when they're good, hey, we got to weather the storm first 10 here. They're going to throw everything at us. Be ready for the crowd. Be ready for them to get into it. So, like, yeah, you do talk about that start, and it'll go the other way. Hey, it's going to be dead here. We need our own energy. Get it deep. Get in the forecheck. They're the ones that need to put a show on. So those we got 100% talk about those things, and, and it does. It makes a big difference when the building's going like it was versus Boston, that's for sure. Hey, Brett, this was great, man. Thanks for taking the time to do it. As always, we appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the game on Thursday. Should be a good one. We'll do this again soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. That's Brett Festling, former NHLer and current Canucks color analyst right here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, it is what we learn time. And uh, I want to start because I actually learned something for real last night. Okay. Not like I learned something more about something I already knew or I gained more knowledge in an area where I already had some. I went from knowing nothing about something to learning something. And I actually felt a little remiss. I felt a little disappointed in myself because as you know now, I'm a conspiracy theory guy. You, you, know, you are? I'm into conspiracy theories now. I, I went one You're way. late to the party. I know, but now I'm just getting caught up. Okay. So I'm like, well, that's good. I mean, like, you, you need everyone needs a hobby. Right. Give me the horse dewormer. I'm ready to go, right? Let's go. So mm. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the internet yesterday, and I don't know if you guys know this or not, but there's lots of conspiracy theories on the internet. Y- yep. Mm-hmm. Now. You really are catching up. Yep. Well, there's a. There's a timely reference. We got both. Newfound conspiracy theories and old timely references. So yeah. did you guys know that there's a conspiracy theory out there about Cal Ripken Jr.'s consecutive game streak and that it was almost going to come to an end because he, according to Urban Myth, <laughs> got into a fight with Kevin Costner. <laughs> Because Kevin Costner, Kevin Costner, Kevin Costner, he of multiple baseball movies, including Field of Dreams, mm-hmm. Waterworld, Dances with Wolves, a great baseball movie, the top three best picture winner, movies. Robin mm-hmm. Hood. This is where we get off Eat track. Superman's Look, head. I'm trying to conspiracy <laughs> theorize. Okay, the the so, the urban legend goes yeah. that Kevin Costner messed around with Cal Ripken Jr.'s wife. Okay, and it it, it led. To the two of them coming to blows. To the point where Cal Ripken Jr. allegedly injured his hand during the fight. Now, the issue was that it injured his hand so badly that his Iron Man streak, this was back in 1997, was in jeopardy. So what they did was, allegedly, the Orioles (laughs) caused an electrical issue at Camden Yards. They shut off the lights. Said, we got an electrical issue. Can't play the game. So the Cal Rifkin Jr. could heal up, get his hand back to normal. That, that one-day hand the injury. The one-day hand injury? It Dakota was, Joshua is like, I want that. It was longer than that. Okay. But. So you're saying Kevin Costner almost cost Cal Rifkin. 
The only reason I'm bringing this up is the only reason we're gonna say yeah. A, why is this coming up? Now? It's in the New York Post because Will Ferrell oh, on a recent the New York Post. Will Ferrell on a recent podcast <laughs> said high end journalism. Will, by the way, is he doing Will, his Harry Carey impression when he did Will this? Ferrell? Just What's to your con- favorite planet, Monster Sun. We're getting distracted again. I'm trying to conspiracy theorize. Uh, there's a podcast called the My Mama Told Me podcast. Will Ferrell was on it, and he said that uh, this thing has some legs. It says it checks out. So now that my conspiracy theory has been vetted by an official source, Will Ferrell, uh, I am deeply into this. And I also want to add, I can't believe that I've... I, did, I got a question for you guys. Have you ever heard of this before? Never. Never, never heard of no, this. No, no, no. Okay. So Kevin Costner apparently has addressed it publicly. Oh, really? Will uh, uh, Cal Ripken on NPR <laughs> addressed it in 2008. Wow. So this is On been NPR? A- imagine that conversation. Like, like, there was a rumor out there that... Like I, very slow paced. So that's what I'm saying. Like it's been out so there. What did they, the, the, those guys obviously denied it. They right? denied it. They said that it it never happened and what have you. But the bigger issue now, the other conspiracy theory is how in the year of 2024 have I not heard of this? The truth is out there because it's untrue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand what you're saying. Anyway, Mook, how all that? Uh, a dog, you got a what we learned, right? Oh yeah, this this blew my mind yesterday actually made me a little angry it, it feels very dystopian and almost not real and i'm very greedy which shouldn't surprise anyone at this point and with the economy that we live in but they are apparently wendy's this fast food restaurant wendy's in, the, in the u.s not necessarily in canada but for sure in the u.s next year are going to be practicing surge pricing which okay, okay hold is, on is hold the, on surge pricing. yeah you know how uber does it and and, and ride sharing does it. like when it gets really busy during the busy time the peak hours the price of an uber will go up as opposed to say like if you call it at like two in the afternoon or something got it so and they're trying this with restaurants wendy's well, specifically. hold on hold on a sec you haven't done your follow-up wendy's now denies this wendy says wendy's will not implement surge pricing which is the practice of raising prices when demand is highest we didn't use that phrase, nor do we plan to implement that practice. Um, I guess what happened walking was, it back. was walking it back. they are planning to invest in digital menu boards. That will allow surge prices. Which they already have at the Wendy's I go to. Yes. That would All it is is allow a, it. a report yeah. came out and they walk it back. I guarantee you this is something I, they were thinking of. I think I'm sure it's been thought of before by other companies these, too. I think one of these things. I don't know if it was like a, an investor relations or like an analyst call, and they're they're kind of like, uh, yeah, we got these digital menu boards, which could in theory allow us to implement surge pricing, yeah. and they'll say that to you know promote their stock or, or whatever. I don't know. Maybe and then somebody ran some, with it. some report, and then yeah, well, I mean, it's could you imagine though? I, it'll come, you go to get a burger. It'll come to that. You go it to get a burger at two o'clock, and then or and you're like, okay, I'm go back to get another one at six o'clock, and it's Five bucks more. Well, it already oh, happens in one, other industries. Stop going yeah. twice to Wendy's in a day. <laughs> it happens with Uber with yeah. the demand, right? They, but wouldn't that be insane? Like the, the price of food will change based on the time of day that it you will. order it. It will. Just will. the concept will of that 100% makes happen. me angry. It is so ridiculous. All you have to do is adjust one your eating habits, which you should have done before surge pricing. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> should have taken you, this to get you the <laughs> yeah. Like the so Wendy's, you. Wendy's, you only get Wendy's now at like 10:30 a.m. or something or like that. Or 2 p.m. Plan. So Wendy's is trying to spin it, actually. They said the, the new policy is aimed at driving sales during slower parts of the day. Yeah, so, so we'll make the, make the food more expensive during the hot parts of the day so you come when it's slower. But if you eat at different times, the food won't be more expensive. You know, another thing you could do is make your own food. Well, get out of here. Seriously. 
Would this not be an excellent opportunity? If I'm, <laughs> if I'm in marketing right now for a large grocery chain, my number one say, I could be a mad. You do surge pricing too. <laughs> I could, yeah. What, when are we going to start doing this? Mm -hmm. I'll say, you know what never has surge pricing? Groceries. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People are really happy with the Yet. price of groceries these days. That's yeah. how you combat it. Let's draw more attention yeah, to yeah, the yeah. price. This is how you combat price. it. Mm -hmm. You could say our prices might be going up. But they won't be going up during certain parts of the day. <laughs> you know the $100 bag of apples you just bought? Well, it'll be cheaper if you buy it at 2 in the afternoon. Apples, $100 a day, 24 hours a day. There we go. There All right. we go. Moo cow. Okay, get yours in. Uh, if you've got anything good, like another conspiracy theory I haven't heard, you can see that I'm really in on this right now. You could win a $100 gift card to Bridge Brewing. Uh, that's for the best what we learned. That's coming up next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God. This is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.32 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program. It is what we learn time. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Okay, we're going to go right... You don't have one, do you? Sorry, I No, I don't. Okay. I don't. Let's go right to the humanoids here. Fire up the dot matrix. Uh, what we learned, humanoid edition, brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at getfireplan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! Are we ready to anoint a winner? Uh, the Joshua from Nanaimo. Not any Joshua. The Joshua. Is this Dakota Josh? Is he on the third line? Yeah, he's, he's got spare line. time. Uh, what we learned, I learned after whatever the heck happened Monday with PD, I could sure use $100 worth of beer to try and forget it. Uh, everyone, this is a reminder to drink responsibly. Don't drink to forget, but also that made us laugh. Drink to forget a little bit. The last couple of days on social media have been very interesting about Elias Pettersson. He is still trending on X or Twitter or whatever you call it. Um, and, uh, I have to admit that even I was drawn into it. Um, I, I've been for the most part overall over the last few years, been spending less time on social media, especially posting. Um, it was just a decision I made for my mental health and also just cause I got bored with it. Uh -huh. Um, but there's been a few things that I've tweeted out and then I'm like, oh, this is getting a reaction. So that's good. And then I'm like. I immediately regret doing this because then you. you're in it. Then you're yeah, in it, right? I was going to ask. Then you're in yeah. it. Yeah. Because, yeah, you've been, I mean, there's been no denying. It. I've been in it. Been, yeah, you've been in the mud. Yeah. I mean. Slinging mud. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I, I don't. I mean, but I don't do it because um, part of it's a conscious effort. Mm -hmm. But the other part of it is I feel like if you just wait long enough, it'll pass. 
Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like so I think if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I'm gonna take another I'm gonna take another break now. But what I enjoy is um and when I say enjoy, I mean hate. Yeah. Is so yesterday Eight Dog posted a video of us basically or you know, me going on it wasn't really a rant, but it was like I'm trying to tell you why it's or explain my opinion, just my opinion. Yeah. Why the Pedersen thing is worth discussing now, the fact that he hasn't signed. And my whole thing was based around the fact that the team is frustrated that he hasn't signed. And I think that's news. Yeah. And then people don't watch that explanation. All they do is reply with, like, the the question that I was trying to address. Yes. You know, which is, like, why are you guys talking about it? He said he didn't want to talk about it. And then I'm like, well, there are like Petey's not the only one involved in this story. His team is kind of involved in this story, and by all accounts, they're a little frustrated. They're you know not ready to trade him at the trade deadline or anything ridiculous like that. They're just a little frustrated that they can't get him to the table. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that's that's why. And then people will be like. Yeah, but he said he didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, but I just explained like why we're still going to talk about it, right? Yeah, and but- so that 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 gets me. But I understand it, right? Like people, there it was a six minute video, and they're like, "I'm not going to watch this." I'm Who's gonna got that have kind of say. time? Who's got that kind of time? Well, probably people that are online like their whole day. They've got the time, but they in a weird way they don't because the goal isn't to uh, take in the information dissect it, analyze it, and come up with it. And give it an honest, like, oh, maybe I missed something here. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but it almost feels like a lot of social media platforms, uh, the most outlandish, egregious, or hate-filled responses are the ones that get amplified. Yeah. Have you seen That's why I've been bringing a lot of hate. It's true. The the hate part is (laughs) really key. Now, I I didn't play hockey. My kid doesn't play hockey. Does Hockey Canada have a rule, a 24-hour rule, where you're not supposed to contact, email, or otherwise... Uh, get in touch with a head coach like 24 hours after a game like everyone's supposed it's just the deep breath rule that's that's a thing right yeah you're not if you're frustrated about your kid's ice time or something that happened during the game don't fire off a text or an email to the coach during the game or immediately after the game just do it 24 hours later i feel like that is a great um, Way to kill social media? Yeah. Because <laughs> most people will be like, eh, the next day. Yeah, because here's the thing. like, I know a lot of people that go back and they're like, well, I'll just delete it. Or I'll just remove it. I'm like, you can't remove, take anything off the internet. It's like trying to take pee out of a pool. Like You can't do it. Mm-hmm. Toothpaste in a tube would be a better. Sounds like a challenge. You can't Less do it. Less gross analogy. But it's impossible. Yeah. People live... For the replies to the point where it's like, well, I better screenshot that now in case it gets deleted. But the bigger picture is what you're feeling in the moment is Mm -hmm. very rarely what you're going to feel like two or three hours from now. Right. I mean, how many of us unless your inside sources are contradicting Bruff's inside sources, then then you really got to fight. It's all about the sources. It's all about the sources. So at the risk of uh, getting defensive. okay, here's a text that comes in that just came in and. I'm going to read it. I'll probably regret it. I think the only people talking about PD's contract is media. Mm. That's all your show is talking about. I listen to 650 all day and every host is talking about it. Fans plus season ticket holders aren't talking about it. If he leaves, it's definitely this time on media's hands. Okay. 
let's dissect this sentence by sentence. I think the only people talking about PD's contract is media. Not true. <clears throat> Not true. I have many friends that text me, what's going on with PD? That's all your show is talking about. Also untrue. <clears throat> we spent the whole first half hour of the show today uh, talking about the game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. We spent a lot of time on Monday. The whole first hour was a recap of how awesome the Bruins game was, and then we still had two hours left on the show. We went to Winnipeg. Uh, I listen to 650 all day, and every host is talking about it. Well, I can't answer that. I don't listen to 650 all day. I wouldn't uh, recommend it. Fans plus season takeout holders aren't talking about it. Again, I disagree. <clears throat> If he leaves, it's definitely this time on, like, that would be the media's fault then? Sure. Sure. Yeah, why not? Oh, you know well, that. If it you is, know then... they'll be leading that charge, though. They yeah. definitely will be. Yeah. They will blame us. Well, I mean, and then I'll be like, oh, okay, so he doesn't he doesn't want to play in a market where the media talks about him? Guess okay, not. well, okay. welcome to Columbus, I guess. Yeah. You know? Anaheim. They have a big cannon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- Disneyland. You're lucky, this Carolina. Is, this is the way it is. Do you do you want do you do you want a guy being your highest paid player who doesn't want anyone talking about him? Is that who you want as your highest paid player, your alpha dog on the team that's gonna that's gonna withstand the pressures of trying to win the Stanley Cup? He's like, please don't talk about me. Is that uh, like I'm not saying that's Petey, but is that the guy you want on your team, or do you want a guy like JT Miller's? Like, yeah, just ignore it all. It's kind of like I don't know. It's kind of funny. Right to me, like people text me and they're they're like, yeah, do you know they're talking about it? They're like, and then he's like, eh, <laughs> people are gonna talk. Give it a big eh. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Okay, uh, let's do some of these other submissions here. Greg and Lad Wasson, hashtag WWO. What we learned listening to yesterday's hour three about NBA refs owning up to mistakes. I work in customer service. Okay, Greg, good baseline here. And for the most part, when someone feels wronged, all they want to hear is an apology and an admission of the mistake. It rarely goes further than that. Same principle should apply with refs in pro sports. Would probably go a long way to calming down players and fans alike. I agree. Greg, I don't understand how collectively <laughs> the all major sports have handled officiating the way that they've handled it. None of it makes any sense to me whatsoever. Has there... I don't under, just let me go. Yeah, okay. I don't understand why there is such a gigantic wage gap between the players and the officials. When we want to hold players to a certain account, if you want to hold the guys in charge of running the game to account, then pay them way more money and invest way more in them. You're talking about billionaire owners who are spending millions of dollars to compile rosters and coaching staffs and executives. And then it's like, but we don't want to pay the guys officiating the games any money. So let's get like MLS has scab refs in right now. Yeah, that's MLS. The, the NFL had scab refs on a mo- number yeah, of occasions. Yeah. There was a but. You know what the re- everyone said this year that the reason that NHL officiating is so poor because there's been such a a large number of veteran retired officials mm-hmm. and they brought in a bunch of new guys. I'm like, does no one think about these things? Do you know what's funny? Actually, the, did the, these retirements pop up out of nowhere? The, the the guy I went to the game with yesterday, we talked about we missed the days when we knew the refs. Yeah, I don't know. The refs now. I mean, Garrett, they don't have their names on the back Garrett of Rank's their jerseys. Garrett Rank. But Lines. like, but Jim, do you remember? Jim, is it Jim Sandlack's son that's a ref? Or is it his nephew? I can't remember. There's a Sandlack doing games now. But do you remember back in the day when we knew all the refs? Vic Magoo, Don Koharski, Andy yeah. Van Helleman. Carrie Fraser. Yeah, take your pick. You know, like, 
Stewart. Like we knew all these guys. All the different styles too that you knew how they were. Yeah, hairstyles. Yeah, that too. You know, yeah. Tim just... Peel, his style was being bad at it. <laughs> Saying things on a hot mic. <laughs> um, is there any so, so with pre- with it, with the NBA? My question is: Have they in any way opened a Pandora's box when they start? making comments after the game and apologizing. And, you know, we see, we've seen this with video review. There are unintended consequences. I don't know, but has there been any, like, um, where's our apology? And, okay. then, and then and then you're like, will we get an apology or not? Because then that kind of defeats the purpose of it, right? They're so, like, we're not – actually, we're not going to apologize. That call was the call. I mean, NBA officiating, you know, because remember, they did have an NBA official who was involved in a gambling ring. So they've got their own set of issues. I'm not saying anything is infallible. I think you bring up a very good point. When you start going down this road, it becomes a slippery slope. And eventually you do kind of open up that Pandora's box where it's like, well, why are we just reviewing the final two minutes of calls? Well, you know, calls in the first two minutes of a game are as fundamentally important as the last two. Here's what I'll say. The NBA has got its NBA official salaries. Some of them are making close to a half a million dollars a year. Mm -hmm. That to me is the answer to all of this. Like it often is in life. Just give them more money, put more resources into it, try and make them better at their jobs. Instead of like, I like all due respect to Rick Tockett when he says it. The thing I hate the most is when guys say, well, they got the toughest job. If they got the toughest job, then pay them more money for it and give them more resources and give them a better chance to be good at a tough job. Do you really think it's that bad? Officiating in general? Yeah. Uh, I think with the advent of 18,000 replays, (laughs) it it got way worse. The offside rule in the NHL, remember when they decided to start reviewing offsides? Remember Mm -hmm. you and I both said the same thing. Like, wow. They miss a lot of offsides. But I, I think, never thought it was before. But I think they get more of them wrong now because they let more of them go. But the technology came in. It was an inevitability. But right? don't you agree with that? Like, there's they're missing more of them now almost intentionally because they're like, oh, that was close. Let's it, see how this plays out. I agree, and it's an unintended consequence. Yeah. But it's a consequence nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Like Once the technology got to the point where you could review this stuff to the degree sure. in which we can, it was game over for the referees. I mean, I don't disagree that a lot of times they're being asked to do something impossible. Make an inch-perfect call with in a split second. And it's keep, hard. Keep your eye on so much, even though there are two of them compared to the old days when there was one referee making the penalty call. Like, it's I, – I don't know. I, hey, listen, it's okay. If you, think it's a, if you think it's a major, major problem, I agree. That, or, or, or I'm, not, I'm not going to sit here and, like, um, you know, push back because I think a lot of people think the same way, but – I just think that there's, just a, there's an op- to it. I just think there's an opportunity to make it better, and it, sure. it seems bizarre to me that with escalating prices for everything else, that we're like, nah, we're still going to pay these guys like as, as little as possible. Well, well actually, that they you know cut, what? That's right? a that's a great um, that's a great jumping off point because we are bad at our jobs, yeah. so they should pay us more, and then we'd be good at them. That you'd think, like invest resources in us, yeah. give us more money, give us and a third. Then, I think you're onto something, in that and like then you subscribe to your newsletter, and then we'd be so awesome. Yeah, it's true. I like this idea. Uh, Jason, not me, texts into the show what we learned. Yeah. The Canucks have a great opportunity to build some serious bad blood with the Kings heading into the playoffs. Yeah, four games against the Kings. I'm excited about this. Um, two in the next like what week? Uh, and then one more in late March, and then one more in April, and then we're into the playoffs. It is a weird schedule. The Canucks played the Oilers three times real early in the season, and they've got one more game against the Oilers also in April. And then 
four games at the Kings against the Kings all in the next little while. Yeah, imagine if they play four games against the Kings and then somehow match up against them in the playoffs, which is more than possible if they don't win their conference and L.A. gets the first wild card spot. Um, I do want to point out earlier, you mentioned the Kopitar, Deneau, Dubois thing down the middle. Mm-hmm. Dubois is no longer being deployed as a center. He's now a first-line winger. So their first line is uh, Dubois, Kopitar, and Quinton Byfield, who scored that outrageous goal a couple of games ago. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so who's their 3C? Blake Lazat. It's <laughs> a real name. And Lizzo. Al- yeah, Blake Lizzo. And then Alex Turcotte's their 4C. Um, they, have a, they, ha- they have a very strange They have a Lizzo and a Turcotte. They have a very strange lineup right now because they're kind of hammered by injuries. They have so there's Alex Lafreniere right in New York, and then they have the guy who is a typo of that, Alex Laferriere. Yes, did you know mm-hmm. that? You also I, can't say Lef- Lafreniere correctly. You Lafreniere. really struggle with that. Lafreniere. Lafreniere. And this is Laferriere. <laughs> anyway, and then they're de- they're deep pairings. Like I don't. I, you you think you know the team, right? But you really don't. Like mm-hmm. their third pair is Andreas England and Jordan Spence. Well, don't you think Jordan there's Spence, a lot of, of course, has the commercials on Sportsnet 650. Don't you think there's a lot of people that are Kings fans and they're like, who is Arsh Deep Baines? Yeah, but that's one guy. They're they're really banged up with injury though. So they got mm-hmm. they they lost Copley. Right. Uh, he's done for the year with it. Who's another guy? People would be going, who? Yeah, he spells his name wrong. Uh, so, so who's their goalie tandem right now? Riddich and Talbot. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. And and Riddich is way better right now. He's been great. Yeah, Talbot was not good last no. night. No. Oh, Talbot's probably just like, do you know how old I am? I'm tired, man. Yeah, you shouldn't have hitched your wagon to me. Yeah, but they did. Out of your mind. So right now, they have, uh, Grundstrom, Arvidsson. Also, I'm Cam Talbot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why did you hitch your wagon? Uh, Grundstrom, Arvidsson. Mikey Anderson, who hasn't gone by Mike, he's still going by Mikey Anderson, and Adrian Kempe are all out. So that's four pretty good forwards that they lost. Not to mention mm-hmm. that in the Dubois trade, they lost three forwards that had to go the other way. Uh, Phoenix in the pit. Did he spell it right? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, he good. did. Good. Um, I would love to see Tyler Toffoli in a Canucks uniform again. Yeah, all of a sudden, people are talking about Tyler Toffoli being a rental because... The Devils just, they can't pull it together. My Stanley Cup pick, God, that was a bad pick. Yeah. They're going to miss the playoffs. Yeah, they're not going to make the playoffs. Progress is See, not always I'm linear. not good at this job. If you gave me more money, I'd make better picks. It's not your fault that their goaltending fell apart and Dougie Hamilton had a season-ending injury. We always talk about progress not being linear. Mm-hmm. It's not. You can have ups and downs. I on should your, have seen the issues road. that they were going to have on their blue line missing those vets because I'm, I'm the guy that's always talking I about. I think they're like, a totally different team if they're healthy. Probably. I think they're in the playoffs if they're healthy. They're that good. Yeah, They're just having a bad year. It happens. Mm-hmm. But you thought, I think maybe, and this isn't your fault because I think we all do this, that once the rocket ship takes off, it's just going to be straight upwards. So there's not going to be any dips along. You don't think they could leave I just Frog looked at the roster and I was like, that's a good team. I don't team. think they're going to leave Frog the Flyers. Flyers running Cal Peterson out there. There's too many teams think, between well, them and the Flyers. What if the Flyers sell? Well, they're going to the sell. deadline. They're in a playoff spot right now. I know, I know but they're going to sell Walker. They got 69 points. 69 points. We were like, nice. 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 Jinx. nice. Yeah. Um, but anyway, back to the Los Angeles thing. I think it's great that the Canucks have an opportunity to bury this team. Like, they're fragile right now. I mean, think about what they've gone through. Oh, now that you said that. What? Oh, they have a chance to bury them. Well, if they don't, who cares? <laughs> then they stay alive. Like, it doesn't matter, right? But they have a chance to bury them because they've got so many games against them in the not-too-distant future. And... It's a fragile team right now. They fired the head coach. 
Their goaltending tandem stinks. They got a ton of injuries up front. I feel like Blake's going to have to panic move to make a trade going into March 8th because everything that I'm hearing from Mm -hmm. like the mayor's manor and the guys that cover the Kings is that this Kempe thing could be long-term. What we learned, I'm going to end with a doozy. What I learned is that despite your your efforts to just constantly draw it away from the Pedersen conversation. Oh, we're going back. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. What I learned is that, uh, this is unsigned, is that I'm not cool with Pedersen making as much money as JT Miller, and I'm definitely not okay with him making more. He just isn't as good in my opinion. Well, he's not as good right now. I responded to that guy. I said, what happens if he makes way more? Yeah, it's like, well, it will be. <laughs> no, it will. Can you imagine? That's what I'm saying. Ne- next season, uh, <laughs> Petey comes back because he signs, and he's making like $4.5 million more than JT Miller. Yeah. And then just for good measure, Philip Hironic is making more than Quinn Hughes. Yeah. I mean, and that's the reality of the situation. Hironic could go out there. And argue for more than Quinn Hughes, not because Heronic thinks he's better than Quinn Hughes, just because he'd be like, "Well, Quinn Hughes is one of the best bargains in the NHL. I, I'm not going to let that affect m- my bargaining." We power. don't talk about it enough. We don't talk about the, the Quinn Hughes contract, is though. We talk. About oh, it. I know the Heronic part of it, but I think that's going to be a fascinating negotiation. Quinn Hughes at seven eight is maybe top five. In terms of bang for your buck contracts in the it's NHL? the Nathan McKinnon deal. It's great in present form. It's fantastic. It's, I'm, it's a, it's a, yeah. It's, I marvel at that guy every time I watch him. And well, actually, you know what? That's a lie because I lied to you intentionally. Because sometimes I have to remind myself, hey, don't forget to marvel at the things that Quinn Hughes is doing out there because you're getting a little bit used to it, yep. and you've been the guy. Of all the guys that have been harping on the Canucks, like the reason they haven't won the Stanley Cup is because they've never had that number one D-man Norris Trophy guy, and now they got it. Sure got him now. And let me tell you, I was 100% right. It is way better when you've got that guy. Life is so much With all due respect to all the very good defensemen that the Canucks have had through the years, they've never had a guy who's close to Quinn Hughes and what he can do. And I think... When we see him on a nightly basis, and we just get used to his escapability, mm-hmm. we're kind of like, hey, "There's Quinn Hughes doing that thing where he does, uh, where he, where he, he, he like walks the blue line. He's got like six inches to keep the puck in, and a guy's coming right up, and oh, hey, look, he's just spun right off him. That was easy. It's like watching an old and one mixtape. Like he breaks guys' ankles repeatedly at the blue yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. Right? You, th- you think uh, next training camp, uh, like Miller will pull up in his very nice car? And then Pedersen will pull up right next to him in like this gold plated Bentley <laughs> and it's like diamond encrusted outfit, walk yeah. out with this big like fur coat. Yeah, that'd be crazy. They'd be like, Petey, what are you doing here? You play for Chicago now. Yeah. <laughs> oh crap, sorry, force of habit. <laughs> well, what better way to leave the See show? See you later, everyone. Yeah. Have a good day. So long, Stinktown. We gotta All right, out. have fun on Twitter. We gotta Take get out care. of here. We gotta get out of here today, possibly forever, but we'll Bob We'll probably be back. Turning his phone off right now. Yeah, Uh, it's been fun. Thank you all for listening, and congrats to our winner, Josh. Enjoy your one hundred dollar gift card to Bridge Brewing. Signing off for today, but we will be back tomorrow. I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been a dog. He's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet six fifty.